Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. The Los Angeles Clippers have their new head coach. The replacement for Doc Rivers is none other than Ty Lue, the former Los Angeles Lakers player and the assistant coach to Doc Rivers is now been moved up one seat over to be the head coach of the Clippers. A very interesting hire. I'll give my take first, and then we'll be joined by Chris Fedor, who did a tremendous job covering Ty Lue throughout his time in Cleveland. He is the Cavs NBA reporter for Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer and the host at 92.3 The Fan. So Chris will join us to chat about Ty Lue. So here's my take. You look at Ty Lue, and you look at a guy that's won an NBA title, And frankly, for me, there are not many coaches that you could say have won an NBA title and are currently coaching. And Ty Lue took a team that just didn't have that it factor under David Blatt. And he gave them exactly what they needed to get to the NBA Finals and win the NBA Finals. Granted, they were behind 3-1 in the series when they came back and won that title. But there's that infamous halftime speech where he ripped into LeBron James, into what he was giving effort-wise, especially defensively. And of course, that you looked at what LeBron James did with that incredible block that we will always remember. And there you go. You have a coach who's got the respect of star players. And when you look at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, that's exactly what the Clippers need. I mean, this is a guy that's been there. And, and frankly, it's not easy to win a title. And for Ty Lue, he got to the NBA Finals whenever he was given the chance. He got to the NBA Finals. And granted, you look at his last year, and he only coached for six games. He was 0-6 to start the 2018-2019 season. That was the first year post-LeBron. And frankly, Cleveland said, you know what, we're not even going to give him a chance. They fired him after six games. And so Ty Lue wasn't given much of a chance with a young roster. And once LeBron left to go to the Lakers, it was say la vie to Ty Lue as well. And then he joined, of course, Doc Rivers' staff. And the rest is history. You look at what has been written since the hire and some great things about Ty Lue and what he's going to bring to this team offensively. Channing Fry who was on that Cleveland Cavaliers team, was quoting the LA Times as saying, when it comes to X's and O's, 
out of bounds plays. He's a quote unquote genius. So that is always good to see. It seems like he's a guy that will adjust when he needs to make adjustments. His staff will reportedly include Chauncey Billups, the analyst that was working with Brian Seaman on the TV side, and also Larry Drew, who was the head assistant under Ty Lu in Cleveland. So Larry Drew reportedly will join the Clippers staff. So before we get to our conversation with Chris, of course, I have to tell you about one of our partners. You know that support for hoopball is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments, provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. They released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade, reduce manscaping accidents. And folks, you use this incredible Lawn Mower 3.0. If you want to use it on your face because you're not getting that tight shave that you want, Go ahead and use it because it will work extremely well. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created. And what you can do is you can use it in the shower because I know everyone's trying to shave in the shower. It doesn't matter where you're trying to shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. And, of course, there is that LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. I want you to get some money off here. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. And of course, I got to tell you about our friends over at ExpressVPN. We know how VPN protects your privacy and security online. But I didn't know this until recently, but it takes your TV game to a new level. I mean, you can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. You can binge whatever you want. Over the weekend, I know someone that used ExpressVPN to binge Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It was simple. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change the location to UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. What ExpressVPN does is they hide your IP address, lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. They're compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. That is expressvpn.com slash hoopball. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Let's talk some Clippers basketball. Let's bring in Chris. Well, how do you get great insight on Ty Lue? How about we go to a guy who has covered Ty Lue and knows Cleveland sports like not many other, Chris Fedor, who has been around the Cleveland beat for a while. You can check out his stuff for the Cle- for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Host at 92.3 The Fan, and he joins us on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. You're the Cavs NBA reporter for Cleveland.com, Chris, so we're coming to you. Thanks for joining the pod. Yeah, no problem, Brandon. Thanks for the invite. So I'll ask you the tough question slash easy question right from the start. <laughs> How did the Clippers do with this hire? I mean, I think it's a home run hire. Um, I think he's exactly what they need from everything that I've read about the Clippers, everything I saw about the Clippers, everything I've heard about the Clippers. He's the kind of guy uh, that they need. Um, it's It reminds me a lot of when Ty took over for David Blatt here in Cleveland. 
it's like clearly it wasn't a talent issue with the Cavs at the time that they made the change because they were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They were one of the title favorites, but something was missing with that group. Uh, the Cavs did not trust David Blatt in that instance, but it was just something was missing with that group, and Ty was the right person um, to get them to come together. And I think it's going to be the same situation for the Clippers. They have the talent. Um, they have big egos. They have big personalities. They have alphas. And I think the way that Ty manages personalities, the way that um, he commands respect, the way that he communicates to guys, I think that's going to be really, really important for a team whose biggest problems seem to be something other than talent. Why was Lou the guy and David Blatt wasn't? Because we're entering a situation here where Mm -hmm. you look at Doc Rivers and he is a proven winner and he has won an NBA title. And if you look at Clippers Twitter, I mean, they are bashing Doc uh, Doc and everything that he has done for the Clippers. (laughs) It's just gone by the wayside. It doesn't matter. He's collapsed with the 3-1 deficit twice now with the 3-1 lead. He's collapsed twice. Why is it that Lou was the guy that made sense to replace David Blatt. Why wasn't David Blatt the guy? Because now we're entering a very similar situation here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think the way to put it, Brandon, um, there are different coaches that make sense in different situations, right? And I think when the Cavs hired David Blatt, they were looking for somebody who was going to grow with a young team. He was going to focus on player development. Then all of a sudden LeBron James comes back and the kind of coach that the Cavs needed for that particular group, a win now group with a bunch of big personalities and egos, wasn't a newbie guy, wasn't somebody who was a stranger in his own locker room. It was somebody who could command the respect of the players, including LeBron. And I think that was the biggest reason why the Cavs made the switch, despite being the best team in the Eastern Conference at the time is the locker room simply did not view David Blatt as the guy. They didn't believe in him. They didn't trust him. They trusted Ty. Ty was the lead assistant at the time. Ty was the guy who was running the defense at the time. Ty was the guy who played in the NBA alongside Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan. So there's just a different level of respect for one guy who has done all of that, has those credentials, and another guy whose best uh, work came overseas in Europe. And the first thing that Ty did when he got the job, he challenged LeBron's uh, supporting cast, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and LeBron himself. So like the three primary voices in that locker room, the three most powerful players in that locker room, were all challenged in different ways by Ty. Um, Kyrie and Kevin Love were told to sacrifice. They were told, forget your brands. Uh, defer to LeBron and LeBron was told to get in better shape. So like when you have a guy like Ty willing to, to make those kinds of uh, decisions, willing to put his foot down in that kind of way, I think that resonates throughout the entire locker room and, and the Cavs believed in Ty and trusted Ty in a way they didn't trust David Blatt. You know, what's interesting, Chris, is it really seems like despite the fact that, Ty was younger than David Blatt, and in this situation, he's younger than Doc Rivers. You would think the older coach might get more respect and be able to, I don't know, get get away with more because they've been around more. In this situation, it seemed like it happened with David Blatt, and it very much seems like it's going to happen here with the Clippers, is that the younger the coach is, the more he can relate to the players, and the players seem to respect youth 
more than a coach that's older. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think there's a way that they communicate um, to these guys that that resonates with them. There's a way that they can um, interact with these guys and be on the same level with these guys in a way that's going to make them want to respond. I absolutely think that that's part of the equation. Um, I think the other thing is just personality type. Ty has always been known as a great communicator. And I think one thing that really, really helped him in Cleveland when, when he took over for David Blatt is, so as an assistant, Brandon, like he got that institutional knowledge about what worked, what didn't work, uh, what the players were thinking. Um, and, and he could see both their problems and the things that worked. And once he took over, there wasn't some brand new person that was coming in that didn't have that institutional knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's going to be similar when it comes to the Clippers. Uh, Ty was there for the failures. Ty saw it firsthand. And I think he has a good understanding now of what the Clippers need because of what didn't work. Whereas if they were going to bring someone brand new in there, looking at it from a completely different lens, they wouldn't have that same institutional knowledge of why it failed. And I think Ty has that knowledge of why it didn't work. And now he can focus on that and making that better. Yeah, it's interesting you're looking at that from that point of view, because I think that is the right point of view to look at it. Because if you read the stories that have been written since the hire has been made, there apparently was a clean slate that was given to Ty Lu. that despite the fact he was on the coaching staff that was mm-hmm. with Doc Rivers, that blew that 3-1 lead, he was still given a clean slate. And in fact, it may have helped him because, like you said, he knows where these guys flourish and where they Mm -hmm. should not be and also personality wise he knows what makes guys tick and he knows if he can pull the strings of Kawhi Leonard at a certain point and get after a Paul George because there have been rumblings that Lou Williams Patrick Beverly Montrez Harrell they weren't happy with the preferential treatment so in this case you get a guy who was on the bench and albeit he was there for that 3-1 collapse but he knows this roster well so it does seem to be more advantageous than not, that he has been with the Clippers, as opposed to someone, like you said, that comes in, doesn't really know this roster. And frankly, Mm -hmm. this team really is in a win-now mode. I mean, they have two guys that can opt out in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George after this coming season. So they need to win now, but at the same time, they need a coach that is willing to work with everyone and work with the youth because apparently that's something that's been following Doc for many years is that he traditionally does not use young players and the Clippers want him to use youth. So going on the youth side of things, what did you see from his time with Cleveland incorporating the young guys? So he didn't really have an opportunity. To. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's that's really interesting about this situation in Los Angeles and if that's what they want from from Ty. I always felt like Ty was at his best with a win now championship contending team taking them to the level that the previous coach couldn't take them to. And that's how the Cavs viewed him as well. Look, they gave him the opportunity um when LeBron left uh, to kind of work with the young guys and see if he could transition from that championship coach into a rebuilding coach that focused on player development, getting his hands um on these guys on the basketball court. It wasn't as much about managing personalities. It was more about the X's and O's. It was about the player development sort of thing. 
And then after six games, the Cavs decided that he wasn't right for that particular group. Um, I, I think the good thing that helps him in Los Angeles is that while, yeah, there are some young players that maybe he could incorporate, uh, the primary guys, the most important guys are going to be the veterans, the big personalities that he's always been able to handle. And, and it's interesting too, Brandon, to me that when you talk about players, coaches, and you talk about these guys who understand how to manage personalities, because so much in the NBA, it's not, it's not so much about X's nose. It's not about scheme. It's about managing personalities and getting the most out of these guys and finding a way to communicate with them in a way that they're going to follow you. But, but when you start labeling guys as that, oftentimes that can have a negative connotation. Like, oh, yeah, you're talking about that, but what about his X's and O's? What about his schemes? Um, I think Ty is underrated from a tactician standpoint. Uh, here in Cleveland, like he was given a nickname of A Ty O because his after timeouts were so good, so well respected, and other teams around the NBA started taking those from him. But but he didn't really get that level of respect as that kind of guy because he's so good at those other things that matter so much as well. So I think he's a really good combination, even though he didn't really get an opportunity to prove it in Cleveland post-LeBron. I think he's a really good combination of schematics, tactics, and managing personalities. Yeah, and he's not going to have his core guys really being young. I mean, you look at this roster, and their starting right. center in Zoo is young. They have a backup center that they use a first-round pick on in fee that they would like to get some minutes, and obviously have Shamit. So it's not like it's guys that are the one-two on this roster. So it'll be interesting to see how he incorporates it. And you bring up something I was going to bring up later, but let's go straight to it. And that is his X's and O's and his out of timeouts. Mm -hmm. And he clearly learned under Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers is known for his out of timeouts and being tremendous on the plays out of them. When you look at Ty Lue, what does he bring to the Clippers and the type of offense that he's going to run? Is he going to be a guy that is going to be what seems like fast paced? And if so, does that mean using a traditional point guard? Does that mean using a small lineup? What do you think we're going to see with the Clippers, with the roster that they currently have? Because let's be honest, they clearly could make moves. This is very much like a Clippers team that could surprise us. Mm -hmm. They have before the Blake Griffin trade, the Tobias Harris trade. For all we know, they can go ahead and they could trade Trez and Beverly and Lou Williams, and we might not even know it's coming. So the roster that they currently have, what do you think that they're best built to do under a guy like Ty Lue? To summarize it, I think what Ty is going to do is exactly what he did in Cleveland. He's going to find what works best for the group that he has, and he's going to continue to focus on that, and he's not going to deviate from that. And I thought that was really, really important during his time with the Cavs. He got question after question after question, Brandon, about how much the Cavs relied on ISO ball. And he always turned it around, and he was like, look, I've got LeBron, I've got Kyrie, of course I'm going to run ISO with some of the best ISO players in the NBA. He's like, forget all the analytics stuff, forget all the other stuff. Like, that's what works best for us. It may not work best for everybody because they don't have Kyrie and LeBron to do that, but it works best for us. So that's what we're going to do. And then he played small when he had to play small. Richard Jefferson at the four, LeBron at the five at times, or Kevin Love at the five at times. So it's really just going to be assessing the roster, figuring out what's best for that group, and continuing to go with that. More than likely, his offense is going to revolve a lot around pick and roll, 
because that's what he did in Cleveland. That's what he's always done. Uh, they're probably going to try and play a fast pace in Los Angeles um, because, again, that's the way that he likes to play. But I just don't think he's going to put the guys in a box and say, because I've done this and been successful here, that's what I'm going to ask of you here in Los Angeles. And you just hit something right on the head, and that is the ability to adjust. One thing that we did not see from Doc Rivers is his ability to adjust in the playoffs. I mean, the numbers screamed that Montrez Harrell was getting eaten alive by Joker, and he just refused to bench (laughs) Montrez Harrell. And it really seems that Ty Lue is a guy that's going to say, F it, man. If you're not performing, I'm going to bench you. And that's one thing it really does seem like he does have the ability to adjust on the fly. Look, there were times, Brandon, in a postseason run, that Ty benched Kevin Love in crunch time because he wanted Tristan Thompson for his switchable defense. And there were times, if you go back to the NBA Finals in 2016 when the Cavs rallied from 3-1 down against the Warriors, Kevin Love was lost early on in that series because of a concussion. And, you know, a lot of people thought at the time that, that Kevin wasn't a great fit against the Warriors, and that kind of bared itself out because the Cavs were able to go back to Richard Jefferson RJ played really good in that series against the Warriors. It was the style that the Cavs implemented with RJ at the four, kind of like the three, four, they downsized to combat the Warriors. But then in game seven, Ty was like, I'm going to go with Kevin Love. And Kevin Love had a great game seven in terms of getting rebounds early on in the game, in terms of being a physical presence. So yeah, he's willing to adapt like that. He's willing to bench stars like that. He's willing to send a message. He's willing to ride the hot hand. And, and look, that all starts at the very beginning with the, the stars have to buy in first. They have to trust him. They have to believe in him. And they have to understand that he is going to make those kinds of moves because it's going to be better for the team in certain situations. But then other situations are going to call for something completely different. And if there's a buy-in from the very beginning, it's a lot easier to make those kinds of moves. Let's take a quick break and let's talk about our friends over at my bookie. Taping this one on a Friday, which means you know what's coming up, right? College football on Saturday, NFL on Sunday and Monday. And how can you win some money on those games? How about you join our friends over at my bookie? They've got up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. There has never been a better time to start. Playing. You've got Premier League going on, NFL, college football, baseball. You have the World Series around the corner. All these different sports that you can bet on with my bookie. It's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. Really, any different sport you want, they've got it. And now they've got some free blackjack tournaments as well. I mean, it is everything you could ask for and more. And it's not just the pregame line that you can bet on. They've got in-game betting. So whether it's college football or NFL that you want to bet on during the game, a team trails by 10, you think they're going to come back and win, go ahead and throw some money on that money line or that maybe plus 10, you think they can come back and win. Join today. My bookie will match your deposit 100% plus. You look what they can do and perhaps you may get some free bets along the way. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. And if you're struggling and you don't know who to pick, go to our friends at HOOPBALL GAMING. They do a tremendous job covering all the different sports. They release their picks, and boy, there are times when they get white hot, and you should ride with their picks if you can. 
at MyBookie. The terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie, match your deposit 100%. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what he's going to do with this roster because it does seem like he does have some clay in front of him and he can mold it the way he wants. And with the Clippers, they obviously have their stars and they've got Mm. their... I mean, they've got their strengths, they've got their weaknesses, but it does seem like the one difference between the Lakers and the Clippers this year was that Frank Vogel figured out a way to make the surrounding pieces work around LeBron and AD. I mean, he figured out what each guy could do well, and they all worked well together. I mean, they knew if they were going to be a defensive-minded team, they had to buy in there, as opposed to what does seem like with the Clippers at times you have guys that are saying, all right, it's my turn. Lou Williams, it's my turn. Montrez Harrell, I'm, I'm mm. going to get mine. And that's one thing that I believe that Ty Lu can do. I mean, it does seem like that's the case where he does have the ability to get these guys to buy into team-oriented basketball. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. Again, right when he took over for David Blatt, he called out LeBron, he called out Kyrie Irving, he called out Kevin Love in different kind of ways. And with with Kyrie and Kevin, it was the focus was on – uh, them being more selfless, uh, them uh, not not caring so much about uh, the ancillary things that, that come from basketball. And the way that Ty phrased it was their brands. He thought there were too many guys in that locker room that were concerned about their brands and not concerned about being great teammates or coming together and being the best team that they could be. Uh, in Game 7 of the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors in 2016, at halftime, he laid in to LeBron in a way that, you know, coaches usually don't. And it turned out to work because of the, the, the way that LeBron played in the second half. So he's going to challenge Kawhi. He's going to challenge Paul George. He's going to challenge Lou Williams. Um, and he's not going to back down from anybody. And I think Ty has always been at his best in a postseason series, which, look, there are some coaches that are 82-game coaches. And, and they're nice. They can win Coach of the Year type things. But you need guys that are going to get it done in the postseason. Um, and, and Ty has always been at his best in the postseason where he's devising schemes at both ends of the floor, right? Like usually during the regular season, Ty would defer to his coordinators and say, all right, Mike Longabardi, you're our defensive coordinator. You take care of that during the regular season. But then came playoff time where it was time to dig in on the opponent's tendencies, find out what they do well, what they don't do well devised the schemes at both ends of the floor and Ty took the reins on that. He took more control of that and the Cavs became a better defensive team in the postseason in large part because of that. Um, And I remember one time there was a reporter that brought to Ty's attention uh, rankings of playoff coaches. I don't remember exactly what year it was, Brandon, but they ranked all of the playoff coaches. Brad Stevens was in the mix. You know, Nate McMillan was in the mix. Dwayne Casey was in the mix. And I'm pretty sure it was the first year that Ty took over for David Blatt. And Ty was 16. He was 16 out of 16. And a reporter brought that to his attention privately. And he used that throughout the entire playoff run. He made a joke about that throughout the entire playoff run. Every time the Cavs beat one of those coaches that was in front of him, he'd be like, oh, 16 out of 16, huh? And we all knew what he was talking about. He didn't get that same level of respect as some of those other guys, but that's the kind of coach he is in the postseason where he performs at his best. And some of these other guys around the NBA 
are at their best in the regular season, but come up short in the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be music to Clippers fans' ears. Someone that knows how to get it done. You I mean you look in Los Angeles here? Dave Roberts is the guy that gets it done for 162 mm-hmm. games, and you get to the postseason. You have fans that are killing him because they can't get over that hump. <laughs> so it, it's funny you bring that up, and, and you mentioned the word respect, and it does seem like Ty Lue has that respect from the stars. You you don't go yeah. after a guy like LeBron and the playoffs of a game seven, which obviously is take some big balls to do unless you've got that respect from LeBron and, yeah. and he did. And you mentioned something earlier about Ty Lu being the guy that handled the defense. And I'll be curious to see what do you think he does here in LA? Uh, Cause you did mention obviously when it was his time to make the adjustments in the playoffs, he did it, but under David Blatt, he handled the defense. What do you think this mm-hmm. staff will do? Cause it, it already, it seems like we're going to get Larry drew who was under Ty Lu in Cleveland, and then also yeah. Chauncey Billups, who uh, reportedly Ty Lu went to Colorado to spend a couple of months during quarantine with Billups to teach him everything he knew about coaching. I mean, I think if if he follows the pattern that he did in Cleveland and it was successful for him, so why deviate from it, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be, I'm going to defer to these guys. I'm going to trust these guys. I'm going to empower these guys throughout the course of the regular season. And if it comes time with the playoffs, it's going to be a collaborative effort. But if I have to take control, if I have to devise schemes, if, if I have to make my focus on defense where I got my start under Doc Rivers, then I'm going to do that. So I think that's probably the way that it's going to go. Um, I, I think he's always going to try and empower these guys and give them uh, a huge role and a huge voice. But at the end of the day, it's up to him. He's the head coach. It's going to start and end with him. And I'm pretty sure that that's essentially what he learned from Doc Rivers during his time with Doc um, early on in his career with the Boston Celtics. Like Doc empowered Ty, gave him the reins on defense, let him uh, put in his schemes, uh, let him devise these plans to try and slow down these superstars. And I think taking some of that responsibility off a head coach during the regular season can only be helpful. I'm going to ask you a detailed question, semi-detailed on the defense, and I'm not sure if you'll know the answer. Uh-huh. But, but but one thing with the Clippers is it seems like they have switched everything in the last couple yeah. of years. And I mean absolutely everything. And what it's resulted in is in times you get Reggie Jackson guarding Luka time and time again in the playoffs. Is that something that you see Ty Lue doing with his defensive schemes? I think it depends. Okay. I mean, I don't want to dodge the question. I don't want it to come across like that, Brandon. But I think it, it just depends on, on the kind of uh, personnel that he has. Mm-hmm. Does he feel like that is something that works for the team? Does he feel like that's the kind of personnel that can pull that off? I don't think – the best thing that I can say about Ty is, like, there are some coaches where it's like, this is what we do – and we're going to do it, whether it's the regular season or the postseason, right? So like Mike D'Antoni has his style, he has his system, and it's almost like you have to make these changes with the roster um, and you have to make these trades so that it can fit D'Antoni. Um, and I think the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of the same kind of way with Mike Budenholzer. With Ty, like, he's going to look at the pieces that, that the Clippers have, and then he's going to devise the plan. And, and he'll change his ideals based on what's working and what's not working. Like, at times, sure, with the Cavs, 
they would trap stars. They would say, all right, we're not going to let this star beat us. We're going to throw two defenders at this guy, and we're going to force him to give up the ball. Other times, they're like, you know what, we're going to switch because we're going to try and force you, a ball movement team, into a sense of isolation that you don't want to do. Uh, So I think it's going to depend when you get into a seven-game series, it's going to depend on the opponent. Um, And I think, again, like I said, it's going to depend on whether he feels like he's got the personnel to be switch heavy or maybe drop coverage makes most sense on pick and roll or maybe blitzing makes the most sense depending on the opponent. You know what I find funny as you look at Ty Lue and he's got the 128 wins, he's got the win percentage, over 60% of games that he won. And Mm -hmm. so he won that title, obviously, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he ended that streak, a long, long streak the Cavs had without any titles. And he recovered from a 3-1 deficit in that series. And it's funny because you look at the Clippers, and they have now had two 3-1 leads, and they've blown them both. So now they're getting the coach that has come back from the (laughs) 3-1 deficit. So perhaps someone that knows how to put the nail in the coffin, because he didn't lose a series until the finals in any of his years. Am I correct in saying that? Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that knows how to get to the finals and for the Clippers, it's about getting to the finals. So it'll be interesting to see how he does with his team. And one player that could be a fit for the Clippers. And I'm, I'm interested to get your take Tristan Thompson, someone that was, there was some thought that maybe he would get bought out last year at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And Ty Lue has worked with him. What do you know about their relationship? Well, Tristan loves him. Uh, Tristan has great respect for him. He's always talked glowingly about Ty the coach and Ty the person. And um, it's a complicated situation when it comes to Tristan and his free agency, Brandon, because the way that it is right now in the NBA with the revenue loss and not a lot of teams projected to have cap space, it's like Tristan Thompson's going to have to make some kind of sacrifice in this decision that he makes. Um, maybe it's going to be playing time. Maybe it's going to be money. Maybe it's going to be a winning situation, right? Like there's no situation in front of Tristan because of the pandemic that is going to give him all the things that probably matter most to him in free agency, because the teams that have money to spend and can give him more than the mid-level exception, which is projected around $9.3 million, are crap. Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking Charlotte, you're talking Detroit, Atlanta, New York. Like, does it make sense for him to sign with those teams and go into a rebuild? No, not really. But the teams with the mid-level exception, uh, you know, that's way below what he made for the past five years here in Cleveland. That's way below what he probably thinks his market should be given the resume that he has, but that may be his only route to playing for a contender like the Clippers or the Lakers or a team that's very different than the Cavs. And then there's the other option of, does it make more sense for me just to re-sign in Cleveland, take a one-year deal from them and then try my hand in free agency in 2021 when things are going to be a bit more normal and teams are going to have more money to spend, at least the good teams are going to have more money to spend because they're loading up for the free agency class of 21 in case they want to take a run at Giannis or one of the star players. Uh, So I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Tristan this offseason. 
Are there any other players that stand out to you as someone that has had a great relationship with Tyron Lue, whether he was on the Cavs or someone that's on another team that you've noticed they have a strong relationship with that could be a target for the Clippers? Just curious to see if there's anyone that might fly under the radar. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the Clippers situation well enough, Brandon. To they don't say. have a lot of money. I'll tell you that they do not have a lot of money. They, uh, they, they've got a lot of money put into PG and Kawhi, and with Trez, yeah. he's a guy that's going to ask for a lot of money, and the Clippers probably won't give him the amount that he's going to ask for. I mean, hell, before yeah. the bubble, this is a guy that was probably going to get ninety million dollars, probably, and now he's probably lost himself. I would guess forty to fifty million. Um, based yeah. on how he played in the bubble. But yeah, they don't have a ton of money. So there's, you're not going to see a home run signing. And frankly, you mentioned the word crap. I mean, you look at free agency, the point guards are not good. It's Drogic and basically right. a bag of beans. And then you look at centers and it's guys like Nerlens Noel that are more like role players than anything else. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that this is what I've heard or anything along those lines, uh, but Kyle Lowry and Ty are very, very close. Mm-hmm. Everybody understands that. If the Clippers could come and put some package together for somebody like Kyle Lowry, I think that would be something that would make a lot of sense. But again, I don't know their situation. I don't know if the Raptors are willing to make that deal. I don't know what the Clippers would have to give up. He's coached LeBron. He's coached Chris Paul. He's coached you know, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, Rajon Rondo, Kevin Love. Um, so, like, I don't know that that there's one specific player that stands out saying because Ty coached this guy, he would be a great fit with the Clippers. Um, He's coached stars. He's coached role players. He can coach anybody and probably get the most out of anybody. Did you guys ever ask him about that infamous step over by Allen Iverson? (laughs) I'm pretty sure somebody asked him about that. I don't remember exactly who it would have been or when it came up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was asked Chris at it, some point in time. It had to have been, of right? course, like, of course, if, if it's not, we probably weren't doing our jobs correctly. Right. And now of course he's going to come to Los Angeles. And so a guy that, I mean, he's already been here, but now he's a head coach of a team. So, and then of course you have, but, and you know what, you go, know, what's interesting. Huh? You bring that up, Brandon. I, I think that's an important thing to note here um, because sometimes you feel like as, as, as somebody who's going into a situation, like I know what I'm getting myself into. I can handle this. I can handle the pressure. I can handle the spotlight. I can handle the chaos that comes with it. The fact that Ty has been in this situation and, and he did it with Cleveland, obviously Cleveland's not Los Angeles, but in Cleveland, there was so much pressure. There were so many expectations. Uh, there was so much media surrounding this team Everything that they said, everything that they did was picked apart. Um, And the fact that he was in a chaotic situation, I always said it, that chaos was the Cavs normal. They were so used to it that they thrived in it. The fact that he was in that kind of situation with the white hot light, I think is going to really help him when it comes to the Clippers and the massive expectations and the championship or bust expectations that they're going to have. Because again, an outsider could say, yes, I know what I'm getting myself into. Yes, I understand all the pressure. But if you haven't felt it the way that Ty has felt it, and look, it, it took a toll on him. He was unhealthy. He had to step away. Mm-hmm. He had to reassess his life and his workout regimen and his eating habits and all those things. 
because of that pressure, because of that stress. So the fact that he's felt it at that kind of level, I think is going to be really, really important in this job. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think you're spot on there. And you mentioned that he had to step away and that's when Larry Drew took over and it's a guy that's been mm-hmm. a head coach before. So I think it'll be good to have him get that veteran presence on the bench. But like we've talked about the respect that comes with having the younger guys look up to a young coach in Ty Lu. Chris, this has been fantastic. You can follow Chris on Twitter it's Chris, and then you spell his last name, F-E-D-O-R, the Cavs NBA reporter for Cleveland.com. So check his work out there and the Plain Dealer and host at 92.3, The Fan. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about Ty. You got it, Brandon. Anytime, man. Well, hope you enjoyed that podcast. A great interview with Chris. Gave us some good insight into Ty Lu. I thought it'd be nice to have someone come on that had covered Ty Lue and knew what he did offensively, defensively, his relationships with players. And Chris did just that. So a big thank you to Chris. Give him a follow on Twitter. Read his stuff. He, he's been covering Cleveland sports for a while, so he really knows what he's doing. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you did, please go on to the iTunes store. Give us a five-star rating. Review the podcast as well. It does help us grow as we try and continue to grow this thing out because we have, man. We really have started to grow this thing out. And we've uh, done so with some great guests and we'll have more obviously throughout this off season. And as more news breaks, cause there's going to be news. There's going to be news with guys like Montrez Harrell. There'll be news with the coaching staff. So we will have the news as it breaks. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. You can follow the podcast as well at hoop ball clips until next time. I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long and go clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.